And welcome to Lady Ada. Hey everybody, and welcome to yet another Desk of Lady Ada. It's me, Lady Ada, here at my desk. With me is Mr. Lady Ada on camera control behind the scenes, making all this go. Make it go, Mr. Lady Ada. Make it go. Alright. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we had a big week this week. We there was a lot, lot going stuff. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for the folks who always ask, can I uh, visit Adafruit? Uh, that was always hard to do in the past. Even harder now, hard as you can right. imagine. Yeah. Because uh, we're, we're going to be at 100% vaccinated shortly. But anyways, it's always hard to do. But we've been doing virtual tours for a while. So this week was manufacturing... Uh, it was manufacturing week, and then it was also made in New York City. So if you go to our yes. press section, adafruit.com slash press, that's the easiest way to do it. Um, there's a blog post that has all the things about um, made in New York City week. And then um, October 1st was manufacturing day. So if you can click over to the other tab. Yeah. Um, we have a video that we did live from Adafruit on Friday and, and scrubbed through this. So you could see us at the factory live. Okay, and then so we talked about building. some Adafruit history. And then we had a um, video run through, kind of like a, a speed round of all of the uh, places that we have in our building and all the different things we do. So from shipping to um, manufacturing, we yeah, have a special a little, robotic camera on one of the floors. And then we have a, a run through and a walk through where we talk about all the different things. So um, since folks always ask or they're like, I want a factory tour. This um, is it. This is yet another one. And we're going to continue to do these. So, anyhow, and then Lady Ada talks about testers and more, and uh, it was it was a little bit like Desk of Lady Ada, just so you all know. Um, so, I figured that would be a good way to talk about manufacturing in the USA, which is in the news all the time. And uh, I'll say it straight up, like, we hear this every five years, and really nothing comes out of it. And now everyone's like, oh yeah, like Adafruit manufacturers, like, you guys are engineering heroes, manufacturing heroes. Um, but the reality is, we're not the heroes anyone wanted, but we're the heroes you got, so you just gotta deal with it, dudes. Um, that's just how it is. Uh, we're weirdos and, you know, I know you wanted someone else, but this is how it is. So, anywho, um, we have stuff that, uh, you're working on this week, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that was me scrolling through showing the video, yeah. but to watch the whole video, it's 30 minutes long. Yeah. Um, people asked a lot of questions, we answered them, much like our, our shows in general. Um, but, uh, this time it was at the Adafruit factory. Yep. Okay, so, um... That's that. So check that out, adafruit.com slash press. Okay, so this week, um, well, last week we talked about sensors that have the same pinout and how wonderful that is because it makes it so easy to uh, manufacture new boards without having to get uh, new stencils, uh, without having to change testers, without having to change uh, the pick-and-place program, especially the stencil, which is kind of, not, it's not expensive, but, they're, you know, they're, they're like $300 or so, so you really don't want to. Um, and they're big. You don't want to get them unless you need them. So... Um, one, you know, we talked about the ADXL series, uh, SPI I squared C accelerometers, and I also was like, oh, I forgot about the um, VL53L0X and the VL53L1X. Uh, these are two time of flight proximity sensors that have the same pinout, although they look quite different. Um, these are both from ST, and what's funny is like you can't get like anything from ST right now, but you can get these sensors. So uh, I was like, you know what? While I'm waiting for the silicon shortage to end, maybe. Um, let's spin up a board, and I think I showed that last week where, you know, I just changed um, the silk screen from 53L0X to 53L1X. Um, so the next step is to do a tester, and I actually realized I don't think I'd ever shown exactly how I code up a tester. Um, so you go to the overhead, and I'll show how I, I physically, you know, this, this I've showed, physical tester builds. So let me focus in. 
Hold on. It's funny when the overhead's not focused in, it looks like those uh, dream sequences on soap operas. Ooh, yeah, it's like I'm. I'm Todd, dreaming. you're really my father after all these years, Todd. Um, so uh, I've shown these testers before. I, I tend to use a um, Metro just because you know it, it has everything: the power regulation, the power switches, LEDs built in. Um, I, I'd love to use. Arduinos and Arduino-shaped boards and teensies as the base. And then this is the shield that goes on top. So this one is actually, it's a recycling of the, uh, again, BL53L1L0X um, sensor. And, and because it's the same pinout and shape, I can just uh, recycle the board. Uh, one of the nice things about moving to the, the STEMA QT format is almost all the boards I have are now the same size. They're one inch by 0.7 inch. Which means, like, I can really reuse a lot of testers, which is, like, you know, that's another thing that I don't have to do. Um, reducing the friction is, is the name of the game. Um, so uh, then, you know, this has a little um, standoff, but normally, uh, you know, you... Uh, sorry. So uh, you press this button to, you know, this is the reset button. It's another nice thing, um, you know, at Mega 320, it's reset very quickly. And then you... Uh, Press the board down uh, to perform the test procedure, and in this case, uh, you see that green LED blink. I usually also have the piezo go, but it's really annoying. So while I do the test process, I usually like don't enable the piezo. Um, but so let's go to the computer, and I'll, I'll go through the the things they do in the code. Because I thought this was interesting. I don't have a library. I know I know Sparkfun made a library specifically for. Um, you know, when they write testers, they have like a, a tester suite. I don't, and I could, but I don't. I don't know. I just copy and paste, you know, the same code um, around. It is probably about time I should I should library file some of it because it's so common. Um, but it's also really short, and it also does vary from board to board. I don't have the same tests. Like I'll show you some things that are a little different about this design. Um, so the first thing I do, of course, is you know, I set up the uh, the pin definitions. Um, one thing that I like to do is, you know, of course, I have the LED and the piezo, the indicator, um, but I also have the, the pins connected to the sensor itself. In this case, there's an IRQ pin and a shutdown pin. And then there's this two 8-volt pin. So this sensor runs with a 2.8-volt regulator. You want to test the regulator, but that pin isn't brought out because I just ran out of space and it's not that useful. So instead, what I do is I, I measure the interrupt pin, which comes out and it's 2.8 volts. Um, I also have an interrupt change thing. Whatever IRQs you have on the board you're testing, bring that out to whatever your test bench has as a hardware IRQ. Um, this is a really easy way just to tell if something toggles. It's really hard to catch an IRQ because of course, you know, it's happening asynchronously. But um, if you have a uh, if you have it connected up to one of the um, hardware interrupt pins on the on the at mega three twenty eight GPIO two and three are the hardware IRQs um, that makes it easy. All right, so next up, uh, you know, I set up all the the pin directions and and you know make sure that's all set up. But most of the work is actually done in the loop. Why is it done in the loop? Because usually I want to retry. You know, as people are pressing down the board, they might not get all the pins right, and so it might pass one or two tests, but not pass all of them. I like to just repeatedly test until it passes, and then, you know, I usually stop. Um, so one thing I do really like about the, um, again, the Atmega 328 series is um, these 8-bit chips are kind of dumb, in a good way. Um, I, don't, I don't want 
my chips to be too smart because it actually gets in the way of the testing procedure. Um, so one thing that's nice is that you can turn off the I squared C peripheral by setting uh, TWCR, which is two wire control register. You set that to zero and actually disables I squared C. And that means, um, because normally with um, Arduino, the Arduino programming language, when you start I squared C, it enables the internal pull-ups on the uh, I squared C clock and data lines. But what I want to do is test whether the board has working clock and data lines. And so this is a kind of a nice little hack. I turn off I squared C and it releases those internal pull-ups. And so I can then verify at the next step, you know, I set the clock and data lines, which is A4 and A5, um, to inputs and then check to make sure they're pulled up. That's, you know, that's a good first check to make sure is, you know, I'm not checking if the chip is wired up. I'm not like trying to connect over I squared C. I'm just checking other pull-ups enabled. Because one, if the, the pull-ups aren't enabled, it means that resistor pack didn't get soldered on. Um, but also it's kind of lets you know when it's ready to start because I like I call these drop and beeps when people are testing They drop the board on they don't have to like do anything to begin the test. It automatically starts when it detects pull-ups uh, What programming language is that there's some folks that this is the first time they maybe even seen this What, mm. what is that programming this, language this that you're C. using right there? This is CC++. It's Arduino. Go. So I'm using the Arduino IDE why? Um, because it's very fast to get started and it's kind of universal. So when other people have to maintain these, um, the IDE is known, the tool chain is known. It's like, it's, it's a very easy way to distribute code around. Um, so I, you know, like to use the Arduino core as my, my testing core. And then I'll make changes to it if I need something that isn't in Arduino. Like I'll, I, you know, I have gone th into like the teensy USB core and added, like exposed some, you know, VID and PID, you know, number things because it's like, oh, my tester really needs this, but it isn't exposed. I'll just go and do that rather than um, try to like start from scratch. Um, but, you know, one nice thing is after I've built this tester, um, you know, it creates a hex file. I just save the hex file in addition to the code. And then I can just move the hex file from board to board. And, you know, they're going to be making at mega 328s until like the heat death of the universe. So I'm not worried about not being able to to get these tester brains. Again, that's another another really good reason to use a tester brain that's not necessarily inexpensive, but is long lasting. Okay, do you test the strength of the pull-ups? The right resistors were soldered on. No, I don't. Um, that's not really a problem. You can do that, but I don't test absolutely 100% everything, everything. Instead, I test what is the most likely things. and. We really only place like 10K resistor packs and I've never, I've never had those be the wrong values. However, um, it's not a bad idea. You can connect and disconnect um, external pull down resistors, uh, like, you know, 10K and then measure um, the, the voltage differential. But I don't, I don't really test that. I just test if the pull-ups are there. Because honestly, if I can connect over I squared C, I don't really care what the value is, right? Maybe, let's say it was 4.7K, but if I can connect, then cool, right? Um, if the value is too weak, I won't be able to. Okay, so once the I squared C pull-ups are okay, I, I start I squared C. And then a lot of the tester code is, how can you test multiple things at once and test all the hardware connections, right? You want to test the components and the hardware connections. Um, so, you know, this, this begin section is, of course, connecting to the sensor. So this tests actually multiple things. Um, one, it tests I, the I2C connection because I have to connect to the sensor and measure that the sensor is powered. 
Um, it measures that you know the sensor is the right sensor because if it if they placed the wrong one, it wouldn't initialize. Um, but I also am testing the shutdown pin. The, sh the shutdown pin on this sensor, it's kind of neat. You can use it to um, dynamically change the I2C address. This is common. People like to connect multiple chips on one I2C port. Um, so as long as you initialize each board one after the other, you can change the, the I2C address. And so in this case, I set the address to be 40. And that's not the natural state of the I2C address. It's usually 29. And so if, if I can connect on address 40, I know that not only does the I2C connection work and the sensors right, but the shutdown pin works because if the shutdown pin isn't connected, it, it won't succeed in this. And one of the things I sometimes do to, to verify that I'm really testing it is like with my fingernail, I pull down on the pogo pin to keep it disconnected. And then I see, does it, it shouldn't pass test anymore. It's like a little, I just kind of go through and, and I run the test, but I pull each pogo pin down or I short two pins uh, to make sure that they don't pass. Okay, so next there's uh, testing the interrupt pin. So thankfully, interrupt pins are always, again, you know, they're kind of annoying to test because, um, you know, you have, you know, what are you, what are you interrupting on? Um, whenever there is an interrupt polarity command for a sensor, I always throw that in because that makes it really easy because you just set the polarity of the interrupt one way, check if it's high or low, flip the polarity and check that it's the opposite. And if that works, then you're done. I mean, you can continue testing the IRQ, but it's kind of the, it's like the easiest way to do it. So I like to do that. Um, and then um, after I check the interrupt pin is high, which it should be on, on boot because that's the, you know, the idle um, voltage, I can also test the 2.8 volt regulator. So this chip is uh, powered by 2.8 volts and my um, Metro is running at five. And so I can, if I read the analog value of the um, interrupt pin, I should get, you know, about 2.8 volts or so. Um, don't don't turn on the internal pull-up. Instead, I'm measuring literally the voltage output from um, from the IRQ pin. And then, you know, if it doesn't work, I, I just continue. I then switch the polarity, make sure the polarity is low. And then I actually start communicating with the sensor and I'm like, okay, get me, get me data. I just sort of, technically this actually isn't necessary. I don't really need to do this, but it, I find it's kind of a good good thing to make sure that, you know, it, the power is, is well connected, maybe the capacitors are connected, because if, if the capacitors are missing, you know, it's not gonna be able to do the ranging because the, the power supply is uh, volatile. Um, and then I just, in a loop, I just take some measurements, and um, this is actually also where I check the um, interrupt GPIO pin. Remember I said I connected it to a hardware IRQ. I check that it changed. When you read data, it should be it should have toggled the IRQ to, to let me know that, and that's it's a good good place to test it. And then on success, um, I set the uh, I set the LED to be high. I turn on the LED, and then you see I, I, I uncommented the piezo, mostly just to, to keep it nice and quiet. Um, another nice thing I do like about the um, so you can see here it going through the full test. What another thing I really like about the um, the Atmega 328 based Arduinos like the Metro 328 is that you can hit the reset button whenever you want and it doesn't have this weird like USB disappeared came back it's it's much it's much simpler but it's also I find much more durable I've got testers that have lasted 10 15 years you know easily um, they're nearly indestructible these chips and these boards are just they 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 will do the thing forever and ever um, I really try to stay away from 
you know, I have Raspberry Pi based testers or computer based testers, but I really don't like them. I like to, to use something simple and, and embedded like an 8-bit processor. Kind of nothing ever really goes wrong with it. So that's my tester. All right, there was one question yeah. um, that was, I, I think it might be related soon to the great search, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, how do you recommend storing your microcontroller boards? I have a plastic case with uh, slots I got from Micro Center, but I'm a little concerned of the best method. Um, and then someone says, some people add anti-static sleeves and bags uh, and more. But uh, do you want to do the great search? Yeah, that's a good time to okay. go to the great search. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DJK. All right, the great search brought to you by DigiKey Native Free. Thank you, DigiKey. Every single week, Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering for the last decade plus to yeah. find things on the DigiKey site this week. Uh, this one came in 20, from someone we know. Almost, yeah. um, and they said, hey, I'm looking for, uh, you know, a supplier for some anti-static stuff. Yeah, so let's so. go to the overhead and I'll show what they're looking for. So they're making feather boards with headers attached. So like this, uh, this like, you know, Metro, uh, so it's Metro Mini. When you've got the headers attached, you really want to ship it with something protecting um, the headers and, and you can use bubble, but it really it just nothing is quite as nice as Anti-step foam you you press it in and it first off. It's extremely satisfying uh, It's got like a little ASMR thing going on there, and it's it doesn't move it doesn't come out um, It protects the pins uh, So you don't get something like this where it's like oh no pins getting bendy bendy not so good um, So they were asking like well, what, how do you get? Uh, Anti-static foam and it's one of those things where um, there's really actually not that many suppliers of it. It's a kind of, it's not specialized, but it's sort of, there's only sort of like three companies that supply it. And um, it's both incredibly common, but like it isn't advertised. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's like copy paper. It's like, you know, you know, you, you know where to get it or you don't, but you're not going to, you're going to see ads for it necessarily. And so um, I thought I would show how to find um, anti-step foam and there's a couple different kinds and you really want to make sure you get the right kind you want this firm firm kind that um, you can you know it's like shopping for tofu yeah you want the firm uh, tofu not the soft tofu I personally yeah. like soft tofu but if you're stir-frying you want the firm tofu yeah yeah so, so you want to go to the computer yeah let's go to the computer okay so let's go to digikey so um, the first thing you can do is just look for anti-static foam, which will, which will get you some things. Um, so there's, you know, there's static control devices. Now I will say that, you know, if you're going to use this, like, so statistically speaking, statically, statistically, you're not gonna have as much ESD damage to your chips and boards as historical. Like sometimes people get really kind of like, nervous and they're like oh my god you're putting chips in in something that isn't anti-static and oh my god what are you gonna do what are you doing it's gonna get damaged for the most part you know chips these days are way more durable than in like the 80s and 70s when they didn't have uh you know built-in esd diodes and and the process was a lot more delicate nowadays like chips look they're you can definitely destroy them but it's just not as easy right they're they're much more uh, durable. That said, if you're going to use foam, you might as well use anti-stat foam. And anti-stat foam is available both um, in pink, pink style, and black style. They're both the same. Neither they're they're going to both work just fine. Um, 
If you do need large quantities pre-cut, um, that's a separate service. I'm just gonna show you where to get like gigantic sheets. Okay, so under accessories, it's the thing, it's under accessories, right? Not under grounding mats. Um, so you can see, okay, we're, we're getting close. But here's, here's the thing, the problem with this is it's actually kind of hard to see what you're looking at because it's like, what are, these are two different things, but they look the same. One of them is soft and you can actually see, you know, sometimes you get like super soft urethane foam, like it protecting a PCB. You're not gonna be able to get the pins through this. It's actually just like not gonna, it's just not going to sink through. Um, so instead, uh, let's, first off, let's only look at active. <clears throat> okay, hold on. And um, so the, the important thing is the specification. So um, there's thickness and specification. So the thickness, you know, get whatever thicknesses, you know, you, you need, you know, measure the headers that you want and then how, how thick you want it. Um, but the most important thing is that if you want it to be the stiff type, you want it to be cross-linked. That's the, the name of the um, type. I don't think that the closed cell is the, I, I don't know whether the closed cell is the right kind and I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not. Um, but what I really like is three eighths inch uh, cross-linked. So let's look at all the 3 8 inch options. And then here's the thing. There's also the sheets available in uh, uh, 3 quarters. Uh, sorry, 3 eighths. Let me add 5 sixteenths also. Okay. So then, yeah, so there's there's this, but you can even kind of tell this is like soft and squishy. You gotta be, be careful. This is the uh, conductive and this also, I don't know if it's firm or not. This one definitely looks soft and squishy. It's cushioning guard. Yes, yeah, so that's not going to be the right kind. So let's also look for uh, what's in stock. Okay. So this one, soft, you don't want that. And this is also, you can tell it's soft. Like you can even see the corners kind of bending. So the one you want is this. And what's nice is they even have a photo uh, showing it in use. So you're like, yeah, that's what I want. You can see the chips are like, plugged into it. And so um, these are, they come in, in gigantic sheets, two, two feet by three feet. So because you're gonna pay for the shipping, it's like a, a big box, you should get multiple sheets. Like I usually get like five plus sheets at a time. And then um, they're really easy to cut with any scissors. Uh, and then what you would do is, I actually recommend putting all the boards in, like on the large sheet and then cutting them rather than trying to cut them into like small sheets or, or die cutting them and then pressing them. Although that, that can work. It's just, I find that the more surface area you have, the easier it is to plug it in. Otherwise it's like when you're near the edge, you don't have enough material pushing up against the pins for it to plug in. Just if you go through this, you'll, you'll, and you do that, you pre-cut the squirt, you'll be like, Oh, I remember she said, don't do that because of this thing. That's very annoying. Um, so I just recommend, you know, you do what they're doing, which is, you know, you plug everything in and then you cut the sheet. But uh, you do get a large amount. You get, you know, uh, six square feet, which is like, you know, a big chunk. So it's it's not cheap. It's like 50, 60 bucks, but you get a lot. And, um, you know, I would basically buy 10 sheets. It would last me like six months when I was doing kits and I'd put chips in them and you can put feathers in them. And of course, if you are using stacking headers, extra long headers, you don't want three eighths, you want one half inch or whatever. Just measure whatever it is and add a little bit and that's the thickness of the foam you want. Okay, a couple questions. Yeah. Um, first up, uh, 
antistatic foam versus tubes, and then the second part of the question is uh, antistatic foam from a few decades ago, would it break down after a number of years, grid pins? Is today's antistatic foam any better? I don't think it's going to be made much differently yet. I mean, I think it lasts a very, very long time, like mm. decades. I've got foam. You know, I haven't heard anything I've like never that. heard of any foam issues. I think the soft foam will break apart much sooner than this cross-linked stuff, which yeah. is quite durable. Um, I'm not quite sure civilization is going to last another 10 yeah. to 20 years from now. You've got other problems. So that's future problems, but I think any foam is probably going to be okay. Yeah, this is the stuff I use, and I think it's I think it's great. And this is from Conductive Containers, who I also... We, we had on INMPI and they make, you know, they'll do custom stuff for you always. So if you, if you need, if you do want stuff pre-cut or pre-shaped, they'll do it for you. Like you just have to order like, you know, 10,000. But I just cut these with scissors and it was great. All right. All right, that's what and I that's got. It, that's it with the foam questions. And that is? Foam, foam. Discolidata. Release the foam. Where in the world is that part I need? The great search with DJ Okay, cool. Okay. Well, that was Descaladiata, I meant everybody. to say, and that was the great search for this week. Getting the show right in at 30 minutes, which we try to do. Yay. Thanks so much for joining us this Sunday evening. We have all of our shows during the week. Uh, this week, JP is hosting the Show and Tell. Should have all other shows uh, going on as usual, and uh, a lot more in store. Okay. So we'll see everybody next week, or we'll see you during the week. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.